Anyways, hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick, uh, and uh, I can be found at nickferry.com, joined with my co-host Bob Close, who can be found at bobclose.com or bobclose456 on Instagram. Instagram. All right, let's get right into, oh, before we get into the meat and potatoes, I guess, of it, and of course, I'm juggling around here, and anyone that knows me well knows that I would be a procrastinator if I didn't keep putting it off, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> for anyone watching on our YouTube channel, you can go to, uh, there'd be a link. I don't think we have like a vanity URL yet, but anyways, okay. uh, special thanks to everyone on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash the woodworking podcast, and you can help contribute over there and support the show. Thank you so much, everyone on Patreon. I just realized that when we started doing this, I don't know how I'm going to be able to monitor this. But anyways, we're trying to get these audio issues worked out. And what I was talking about with my procrastination was, um, for those that do watch on YouTube, having a round table and some pub height chairs and stuff. And Bob was nice enough to bring these today. And uh, so that's we're, we're winging it. Yep. I don't know why people don't believe it when, they, when I tell them I'm winging it. Well, you kind of look like you're a navigator in a B-52. You've got wires <laughs> and crap all over the place. That's okay. <clears throat> All right, so the, the topic for today, and Bob and I were just discussing this. I gave him a whole five minutes heads up. Uh, the topic for today is 8 million ways to skin a cat. And so do you want to just go right into that topic, or do you sure. want to go, go into something? Nope, okay, that's fine. Um, it's kind of a reoccurring theme, questions I see amongst the community, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on uh, you know any of the woodworking forums or at the you know guild meetings and meetups and all this stuff is, well, I can't do that because I don't have that. Fill in the blank. And I, oh, I can't do that. I don't have a drum center. I can't do that. I don't have a table saw. I can't do that. I'd run the lathe. Yeah. I don't have whatever. Yeah. Which lathe is a perfect example considering uh, I look to my left because that's where I used to have my drill press. But I turned my drill press into a lathe. Yep. And I did chess pieces. I did salt and pepper shakers, all sorts of little cylinders and tiny little spindles and different shaped wheels for kids' toys and I know. It's the old, where there's a will, there's a way. You got to figure out, if you don't have something, and I think that's, and I don't mean to sound political, but that's something the country has lost as a way to figure things out. Yeah. Um, Whether it be making your car work when you don't think it should, and I know, you know, it's not like the 30s where you can wire something on and it's going to go, but um, you just have to figure things out when you don't have the, the... tool that you need that you can make something else work and get the job done or you find somebody that you do the job you know they do the job for you whatever you hire it out you just get it done yeah as somebody who makes a living out of woodworking um i don't own a lathe anymore um i had legs um pedestals whatever that were turned over the years and I just don't do a lot of that anymore. And if I do, I've got somebody I can go to and have it done. And it's just as easy for me to do that as to do it myself. Um, The same way if you don't have a table saw that you can cut thick stock on, use a bandsaw. You know, um, you you can do a lot of joinery on a bandsaw versus a table saw. You may not be as accurate, but then you use a, some sandpaper, whatever, to make things fit. Yeah, a, a way to clean it up. Yeah. You know, it's, you know. Just, it's a different cut. It's yep. a different animal altogether. Um, and 
going more into when you're saying you're, you're not a turner, but a lot of the things you sold would have a center spindle or something, right. and you'd hire somebody out. That's another thing for, I think for people to keep in mind is me personally, I like kind of dabbling in everything. I don't consider myself an expert in any one particular area, but there are certain things to where people are just going to find that they don't like. Right. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, hiring that out or don't. whatever. It, yeah, it just goes back to if there's a will, there's a way. You wanted to make these these tables, and you did all the other work. You did all the you know the tops and the you know the cutting of the, the legs out and everything on the bottom. Um, and by the way, if, uh, anyone wondering, these are kind of like a, a three leg shaker style table. I guess it's probably the best way to describe. Yeah, there's it. three legs, four legs. I mean, they're they're all different things. It's you can bargain with people. Um, if you don't do turning. And they do, maybe you can do the finishing for them. I mean, I've done that for a lot of people where I'll finish the piece for them. You know, if they get it so far, uh, because they don't like to finish. Um, there's nothing wrong with trading what you do for, with someone else and, and helping them out and you helping them, you know, you helping them and they help you. Oops. Uh, no, it, I, I completely agree. I was just, I forgot to time the episode again. Okay. We just have so much fun. And and then <laughs> and I can't so blind leading the blind. <laughs> um, I, I've told this story a couple times where I did different theater sets and all sorts of. And I mean, we're talking pretty in depth, pretty large theater sets, two, three stories tall, four, five sets of staircases. Some of the sets have spun all sorts of interactive things, things that are coming in, and, and I've I've done all that with pretty much just a miter saw and an impact or a drill mm. and that's the whole point is um i mean at that the one, the one theater set i'm thinking of i didn't even so much as have a table saw on site and so you know you get a circular saw and, a, and, a, and an edge guide it would it be is is it always going to be as accurate is it always going to be as efficient or as quick no but it's you know you you got to almost kind of persevere and say how bad do i Maybe you're making a, a table, a, a rustic table, or I don't know. I'm just trying to pick an example. But at the end of the day, you can't, you know, well, hey, man, I could make 50, 100, 150 bucks on this. Yep. Are you going to say, no, I can't because, you know, I, I don't have a table. So I don't, my, my doorboard track saw thing is, I mean, you're talking four or five bucks to build that. Right. And it's and it's pretty accurate. You know, I I don't mean to date myself, but. I grew up before there were computers and YouTube and everything else. And I went to the library and taught myself. Yeah. I read things, tried things and did it. Um, you know, I didn't have a computer to find out information for me. I had to go look it up. Um, yeah, we didn't have track saws and things like that. We had, like you said about your, your doorboard saw or whatever. And, you know, call it what you will. It's a saw and a wooden guide. It isn't real hard. And I think anybody can afford a, a skill saw or, you know, yeah. even if it's a cheap one and you only got to make a few cuts. Um, yeah, you may get crappy edges from your blade, but there's always ways you can get around things. Yeah. You know, a router is a great tool. You can do a ton of things with a router that with the bits nowadays that 40 years ago, they didn't have spiral carbide bits and trim bits and all that sort of thing, like what you see now, but, uh, you found a way to do it. You know, yep. I used, I've used a router as a joiner. Yeah. Um, it works, you know, it just, 
takes a little thinking of what you're going to do, but you know you want to remove a little bit of an edge and you build a, a little bit of an offset fence to compensate for it. It's not hard. Yeah, I, I would actually go so far as to say the router is probably one of the m more underutilized tools in the shop. Oh, it is. Because yep. people don't necessarily, you know, they, they automatically think, well, I could add a decorative edge, like an OG yep. or something like that. But they're not necessarily thinking, well, you know, I got a, a flush, you know, flush trim bit or even a compression bit and I can make a pattern and now I can batch out 20 of these and, yep. and, and you're talking like a glass clean edge. Yep. You know, by the it's time you're done true. with it. Or mortises. Yep. I, got, I got a video coming up where I was going to show the simplest way mm. to do mortises with a router anyways. And it, it's just one of those things to where, man, yeah, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Nope. Uh, nope. Or or sticking it in a table, router table, uh, raised panel. I'm just trying to think of what, what you almost can't do with a router. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, um, I was always a shaper guy. And, and... A buddy of mine that's built furniture for years in Virginia um, has always used routers, you know, and we both accomplished what we wanted to do. You know, yeah. he does it with routers. I do it with shapers. Um, but there's, there's so much you can do with a router and yeah, you can become a router pig like me and have 20 or 30 of them, but you leave them set up with things that you do most often and it's just grab it and go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not so bad as to have 20 or 30 yet. I think I'm only up to like 7 or 8. You're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just switching out a, a bit the other day, and I got three of them sitting there, which is... Yep, I can see them from here. <laughs> <laughs> but routers are... Because, for example, that DeWalt one sitting there, that I have set for those those Brusso hinges okay. that I was doing for that box. Yep. Well, that's set to like a thousandth of an inch depth. I don't want to mess with that now. You nope. know, I didn't finish the box. There, so I, I, know. I, had, I had to do some champ. <laughs> we'll get to that. I, but I had to do some chamfers on a leg yesterday. And so I well, just got out a different router. Yep. It's yep. a sickness. It is, but they're handy. Um, you know, and I'm looking at yours and I've got all big ones. You know, mm -hmm. yours, you've got those little trim ones, which are nice. I've got one little trim one that I keep just. Well, I we used to do miles of Formica, and I really don't like Formica. But if you want to trim Formica, those little trim routers work great with a yeah. little miter trim bit on it, and they just it looks nice. Yeah, those. Uh, see now, now I'm in the shop. I'm turning. I'm trying not to turn my head away from the camera. But um, the Bosch Colt one, that's trim router, and then the Dewalt one. But then that Hitachi, that's a full size one. Yeah, that's a yeah. Um, yeah. And then I I. The bigger porter cable in my router table, and then an older craftsman in my smaller router table. Yeah. Do you ever remember my, my parents <laughs> when, when a TV set used to be like a wood cased thing? Yep. And so if a TV broke, then you, when you got the new TV, you put the new TV on the old TV. Yeah. And that's kind of yep. how I grew. That's what my router tables look like right now. I have my my small benchtop router table is sitting atop my my floor model router table. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Those old. I remember making making a, a liquor cabinet for a couple out of one of those old TVs and I about killed myself reaching in there with those tubes. I didn't realize those tubes could hold an electric charge. Mm -hmm. The capacitors. And yeah, and I mean, this was an old TV and it hadn't been used in years, but it still, it made a really loud noise and really made a big bright light when I hit that tube. 
They're, yeah, those vacuum tubes are, are definitely an interesting animal. Yes, they are. Um, or even the advent of the transistor radio. People don't realize yeah. how how far tech. The funny thing is, my dad and I were talking. My dad's a, a kind of a history buff. Uh, he actually got his degree to be a history teacher. Uh, he didn't ever end up being a history teacher, but that's uh, a whole nother discussion. But we were talking. I couldn't believe the short time period in the U.S. that it went from not being humans not being able to fly to landing a man on the moon. Yep. I mean, the gap there was only I think sixty sixty five years. My grandma traveled in a wagon train when she was under ten. She flew in a jet back in the early 60s. I can remember it. She yeah. always said, she says, I've seen everything. You know, that yeah. just was. That's crazy. Yeah. When, when did we first land on the moon? Uh, 69? 69. Yeah. And first flight, uh, what was that? Was, that wasn't Whitney Field. What was that? Or was it Whitney Field? No, the no. Wright Brothers. The first, that was uh, on the beach. Um, uh, down on, in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was like 1909? 19, I thought 1903. 1903. Yeah. That's a short period. That's a yes, that's an is. advancement of technology yes, right there. Yes, it is. Yep. yep. And now, now they're making TVs, rather than a big tube TV like that, now they're making TVs as thin as almost paper. Yeah, and they're a whole lot lighter. Yeah, yeah. And they're a lot bigger. You know, that cabinet I can remember was like seven feet long. Now you have TVs that long, you know, but the picture in that big TV was like, Mm-hmm. Under twenty inches, I know that. You know, you know, one of the sad things about the the technology advancing as far as TVs though is some of the woodwork on those older TVs was actually pretty nice. Oh yeah, it was. You know, it was yep. actually a, it was a standalone piece of furniture yep. in your home. That's true. Versus, you know, you just wall mount them now. Yep. We're digressing off our our thing though, right? Yeah, a little bit. Oh. Just a, just a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Keep my hands under so, control. Yeah, so the main topic, we, I mean, we can we can definitely get off track. I, yes. I'm, I'm good at it. <laughs> we both are. Um, but 8 million ways, can, can you think of any tool in the shop? 8 million ways to skin a cat. One one tool that maybe people don't necessarily think to use a traditionally or, um, like you, we're talking a bandsaw A bandsaw is, is one. Um, I mean, you can resaw on it. You can, you can cut lumber to width. You can, it's not always, you know, it's not always a clean cut. I mean, you can cut things to length. You can cut them to width. You can cut shapes. You can, at one time, Delta had a, a sanding belt that you could actually yep. put in their bandsaw, and then it had a little gizmo that you could use it to, like, sand edges. Um, one of the things, when I was first getting into woodworking, was the radial arm saw. Yeah. You know, when I went to Sears to buy my first table saw, that salesman, all he wanted to sell me was a radial arm saw because you could do 5,000 things with a radial arm saw that you couldn't do with a table saw. And uh, I never drank the Kool-Aid for the radial arm saw. I like them. I mean, yeah. I've got two of them, but um, I use them strictly to cut things off, you know, and I don't. it's not even the length. Rough it's just length. rough cuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never liked the whole thing of of uh, ripping on them or things like that. I, My favorite part was the dado stack above. Yep, to where you could see. Yep, where you could see where you're cutting. Yeah, any type of trellises or anything anywhere in your spacing it out, your layout lines, you can see and scoot over. Yeah, I I've, like that a lot. I've got a. I think it's a, from Delta. Delta or Dewalt. One of them had a. A book on things you could do, and they actually had it where they had the blade turned sideways, and they were doing plunge cuts on plywood. Really? On the radial arm saw, and I'm going, 
wow, I don't think OSHA would like that anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the radial arm saw was always like the Swiss that was Army a multi tool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like Shopsmith. You know, you yep. could do five different things, ten different things with a you know one tool by converting it and all that. And I remember when I first got married, going to a Shopsmith show out at a bowling alley in Appleton, and <laughs> uh, I really wanted to buy one so bad. Really? Oh, I just thought that was a cat's meow because. I've one never... tool and you could do a, a hundred different things and the guy made it look so nice and simple. Yeah. And uh, of course, everything he worked on was about a foot long. So it really wasn't too much of anything. But uh, yeah, I thought that was just the cat's backside. That, uh, <laughs> all the things you could do on it. And I'm really glad I never got one. God had a plan. So yeah. that was good. I I never never liked them. I've only, I've never owned one, but I've I've been on one. Maybe half a dozen times, but um, I'm a big fan of having certain tools do designated tasks. Yep. Uh, you know, as as I mentioned, the routers before. I mean, I mean, even I know with you with with your dovetail jig, you have uh, you know a straight bit and a dovetail bit and a router in each. But that way, you can grab and go. Yep. You don't need adjusting. Nope. You know that you can knock out you know dovetails real quick. Um, the funny thing is, too, when I got my, my Laguna Band saw, my wife was like, you're going to get rid of your Icon, my benchtop one. I'm like, well, no. I said, that'll that'll have a narrower blade, and that'll be for curve cuts, and I'll probably just keep a resaw blade in, yep. in my larger one. Yep. Um, but it's not to say that, you know, you can't use a tool, you know, oh. in yeah. weird ways. Yep. Um, I mean, even table saws, the things you can do on a table saw... You know, it's not like cutting with a saber saw where you can cut curves and angles, but I've actually seen they did make jigs at one time where you could cut circles and things yeah. like that. Um, I tried that once or twice, and the the wow factor is there. Yeah, but it's not something I would use every it, day. It is monotonous because you end up, you know, basically taking a square, making it turn into an octagon, and you're just knocking off corner after yep. corner and corner until you can get a free spin out of it. Yep. Exactly. Um, one thing that is, if, if if anyone hasn't tried this on a table saw, uh, that is actually ultra satisfying is cutting coves. Mm -hmm. You know, raise the blade slightly and come, you know, have a couple auxiliary fences and run the, the wood sideways. Yep. And just with that and like even a little router, there's a myriad of profiles that you can make. You know, when I used to do a lot of the same type of furniture, I made up a lot of jigs that fit certain pieces and I would do a lot of pattern cutting off the table saw which not everyone does but you could make basically a wooden fence that sat over top of your blade and then you made took your pattern and attached it to the piece you wanted to cut and you could take that pattern and cut it against the fence mm -hmm. and you could cut you know triangles or whatever you wanted to cut and everything was consistent like when i do corner cabinets yep all the shelves were consistent and everything so i did that not too long ago oh, you know, man you know time flies i was gonna say not too long ago but i'm like <laughs> it's probably already been about six years since i've done this but uh a local trophy shop was doing some laser work and they needed this essentially i think it was a pentagon i can't remember exactly how many sides it had but it was uh it wasn't it was asymmetrical uh to where I think like the peak came out a little further than the legs, but the same thing. I, I had that pattern, a little bit of double-sided tape, and yep. then that pattern rested against yep. the against table the, saw fence. Yep, exactly. And I could do all, all cuts and I start to finish one little plaque. I think I had 
three minutes, yeah. two, three minutes into yeah. it. It's amazing what, yeah. what you could do. Um, yeah. And especially if you're doing multiples of something, it's nice to have, yeah. be able to run patterns against whether it's a router or a table saw or whatever. It's just, it's nice to help keep consistency. I don't know why that makes me think of my, my buddy, buddy Leldon. Uh, I'll, I'll leave a link in the article or whatever uh, to his YouTube channel. But he cuts out, I was just telling Bob, he cuts out these Alabamas and repetitive, you know. And I, I, I should make the joke to him. I said, with as many, I mean, he cuts out hundreds, if not thousands of these Alabamas and sells them wholesale on the scroll saw. I mean, with the amount that he's cutting in his home state, I'm surprised he hasn't moved to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Just think of how many more he could cut. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, those square states are a whole lot easier. <laughs> I actually saw something on the History Channel explaining why certain states have their shapes, and it's actually, it's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah? A lot of times it's fight over waterways and shorelines okay. and stuff for, you know, shipping, okay. but. Anyways, I get I get off topic again. <laughs> Going back to the radial arm saw, one thing that I thought I would utilize when I had a radial arm saw, one thing I thought I'd utilize, uh, and I really never did as much, is turning the head 90 degrees and doing long rip cuts. I've never liked it. Yeah. You it know, just, it just, just felt unnatural. I remember when I first went to work for a company, and... Uh, the guy did that with the radial arm saw. He was a union carpenter, and uh, trouble was he fed it from the wrong end, and I never saw a board go 200 miles an hour in my life. Just <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Considering he went through his apprenticeship and he was working there for like 10 years, and I hmm. was just a stooge, but at least I knew not to go from the wrong end. <laughs> But speaking of mistakes, I'll, we'll get off topic just a real quick second. Uh, Bob had done a live edge top uh, out of curly, it was curly maple, right? Yep, yep. Curly soft maple. And a little over two inches thick. And it was kind of a free floating uh, desk workstation. Yep. Really beautifully done. And uh, he asked me to install it. And so I went to go install it. And it was a commercial build out doing a re renovation. And like the second to last screw. I hit a water line <laughs> and luckily I must've just nicked it because I was getting in, in the stages of cleaning up and I'm, it was, it was quiet in there. Luckily there was no other subcontractors on site. It was super quiet in there. And I hear this little, and I'm like, uh Oh, that sounds like water dripping. And Nick called me and he said, I hit a water line. And I started laughing. I said, oh, sure you did, Nick. <laughs> he said, no, I did. I'm going, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, it was, it was just that, that, that sinking feeling, <clears throat> no pun intended. <laughs> but the, the funny thing, well, it's just, in hindsight's 2020, I suppose, but I guess there was a there, sink on that wall. There was a, a, before a slop sink, I guess, on that wall. And... I remember seeing a water line, but it was way down close to the floor, but it had been capped off. And I'm guessing it must have been maybe part of that line further up. I don't really know, but luckily the client didn't have an issue and it was fixed and taken care of as best I know of. And one thing I'll say, um, I wanted Nick to do it because I trust Nick and trust is a lot to me. And, uh, 
I'm glad he did because when he called me and said he hit a water line, you may not get that from everybody that you hire. <laughs> and I really appreciate that a lot. That well, means a lot to me. Well, I appreciate that too. I yeah, nobody wants to make that call. Right. No, exactly. But that's I mean, the like I said, build out renovation, brand new floors, new wall coverings, new yep. everything. Yep. And luckily, you know, with just that drip, they had the plumber coming the very next day. Yep. And they were able to fix it. Well, if I didn't say anything, you could have been ten thousand dollars in damage oh, on that new easy, floor. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Um yeah, this was a this was a high end office and it was very nice, but yeah, I I can't thank you again. I really do. It means a lot. It really does. Because there's a lot of guys, first of all, that wouldn't have even bothered listening. Yeah. And then admitting that they hit something. You know, it just, well, if I walk away, it'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I guess that, that's the life lesson for yep. today is it, 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 it sucks. It does. There's no way around it. Nope. Um, because the customers were just in looking at it because I had just put it down. I used uh, those speed braces, and I had yep. just set the, the slab on top, and they're like, oh, this is gorgeous. They were so happy, and they, they walked away for five minutes, <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh, I hear dripping. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but no, I think it is best to say something, um, and, and I even told them, I said, I don't know, maybe maybe we're, maybe it's a hot water line. And somebody just used the, you know, because I know with old copper pipes, if they go through wood, you get hot water rushing through them. It expands the copper. And if it rubs on that wood, you'll hear a clicking. Okay. Um, and, and I'm like, you know, it could be, but I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in here. I'm pretty sure they're probably using PEX uh, for this. You know, it's not, I, I might as well say something because yep. better. Yep. And, and, and I was lucky too, because they said they were having the plumber out the next day. Yep. And. I, on one of the screw holes, I had hit the, the protector plate. Right. And I'm like, okay, good. And I stopped. And for those that aren't aware, um, I don't know, you know, building code varies from region to region. But uh, it, a lot of times with plumbing or electrical, you have to put a little steel plate on the stud. And that way, in this case, if somebody's going to drill, hang a picture, do whatever, yep. they hit that plate. And it doesn't mean press harder or get a metal cutting drill bit. No. It means stop that you're hitting something. And yep. so... Uh, I had to omit the screw in that area, and then I. But it, it, literally, the very next screw that was twelve inches away. Wow! I yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it happens. You know, that's that's a whole subject for another one. Things you run into, but yeah. Because then, because then, I was Bob was asking me to to look at a a mantle job where we're going to build a mantle and install it. And I said, I don't know if you want me installing it. I might I might drill right into the flue. <laughs> Yeah, we'll worry about that. <clears throat> but that that'll be an interesting one. Hopefully I can work with Bob and turn that one into a video because um and that's another thing we, we can talk about too is when we delivered that the cabinet you just did. But um same client and now they're searching for a mantle, but they have a a really rough textured stone veneer for the front of this fireplace. Right. And Bob and I have been racking our brains about it and it, although maybe not the cheapest option doing it right is really kind of the best route to go in, in instances like that. Yep. And we're 90% sure we're going to have to cut away that, that stone veneer. And cause scribing around this, I think would just look hokey. I think it would too, because there's so many variations of, I would say the brick, the veneer undulates probably close to two inches yep. from peak to valley. Yep. Exactly. You know, and it, and it's, 
so asymmetrical. I think the tops, and that's what even made it worse, because then your mantle is going to look beveled. Because I think the top stuck out more than the bottom, or vice versa. Exactly, exactly. But they're but they're in search of a really gorgeous statement mantle, and with with the figured wood that Bob's deals with, I think we can figure out something that would just be absolutely cool. I think so too. But but yeah, I'll just make sure not to drill into. <laughs> Yeah. You smell it? Yeah. I smell gas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's no water lines in the brick, so. <clears throat> is that a natural wood fireplace or is that a gas, natural gas? I'm not really sure. I'll ask. Though. Okay. I'll ask. Yeah, that'd be. Now, now, granted, I don't think you should be running gas lines up the flue anywhere near the mantle. But No, I wouldn't think so. But <laughs> who knows? <clears throat> Explosion in Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. Two men led to the hospital yep. holding a large maple mantle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, that's true. <clears throat> Where were we even on the we topic? We were talking now? about... The radial arms, uh, yeah, yeah, and all the things, and I don't even know we got so far off track. Do we have any time left? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got about uh, fifteen minutes. Okay. Uh, I guess again, it's you know when you when you want to build something and you don't have the right tools or the right thing, you have to think outside the box and think of a way you can get things done. Uh, I hate to say this, but. People in third world countries do a really good job of getting by with what they have and making it work. And I think we're spoiled in a way that if we don't think we have the right tool, we just won't do it. Yeah. And I think that's a sucky attitude. Yeah, it is. Uh, just because you don't have the right tool or the big tool or whatever, there's a lot of ways you can get around things. Improvise, adapt, yep. and overcome. Yep, exactly. Um which and that's a good point too to bring up if if somebody were to have say a little sidewinder skill saw that they got at the pawn shop or off eBay or whatever, um, if you find yourself at six months a year down the line using something again and again and again, that might be the tool then to make a mental upgrade. note that you upgrade. Yeah, yep, exactly. You know, I know a lot of people give uh, you know some of the higher end brand tools crap and you know, it's overpriced for a guy that's using say a track saw and we'll, we'll say Festool track saw or a, even a Makita or. I know Grizzly makes one. And I think, um, yeah, DeWalt does too, I think. Oh, okay. I, I didn't believe know. so. I okay. think so. But but if a guy's breaking down sheet goods again and again on job sites or, you know, needs that mobility, needs a little bit more of that accuracy, but he continues to reach for, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with investing time into a tool that it'll save you a little bit of time, money, right. you know, uh, right. it'll be more accurate. But yeah, that would be like me buying a $700 scroll saw when I'm rarely on the scroll saw. Well, and I'll tell you, this is one that always kind of ticks me off is, is people will say, well, you've got all these expensive tools. It's no wonder you can build everything. And they'll be driving a $60,000 pickup. My tools were a whole lot less than what that pickup yeah. was. And I bought them over 40 years. So, yep. you know, it's just, there's nothing wrong with saving up your money and buying a better tool, you know, if you can. Um, and I, to me, that all plays into what Nick had begun with is, is, you know, that you can't do this because you don't have this or that or whatever. There's nothing wrong with getting something a little less expensive to start with and then saving up your money. And like Nick said, if you're doing the same job over and over and over, invest in a good tool. It's, yeah. A good investment in a tool is worth its weight in gold because it will always be consistent. It'll always be good. Um, you can buy 
Harbor Freight stuff, and it's no knock on Harbor Freight, but you know, a $10 tool versus a $100 tool, there's a big difference, and there's a reason why. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times there is, yeah. Anybody that's doing it for a living or spending a lot of time at it, it pays to have good tools. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, that's a key difference, too. Um, if somebody's kind of on the weekends trying to just, yep. you know, like kind of a weekend woodworker or uh, just a, kind of a hobbyist, uh, which I kind of consider myself, I don't buy the highest-end um, like my, my wet sharpener is you know, made by when I think, I think I paid, I want to say 70, 80 bucks for it. Uh, when they have very comparable name brand units for six, 700. Right. Well, I'm not a pure hand plane kind of guy to where I'm running a plane iron on that every day. If I were, maybe I'd look at a different brand because of a little bit tight, tighter tolerances, but you know, my table saw I splurged on, you know, yep. I, I wanted to spend a little bit more money on, uh, my band saw is a higher end band saw my floor model, but, um, you know, and then I bought and sold tools that I know you have over the yep. years, you, you get one and then, you know, you get a deal on another one and you got to get rid of this one or, you know, things change. I've been in five or six different shops and sometimes you can't bring your saw with you or, you know, do whatever. It's yeah. And that brings up a good point, you know, buying something old and, maybe fixing it up and using it. I mean, a lot of my tools are old. They're, yeah. they're old. You know, my bandsaw is over 100 years old. My drill press is from before World War II. Uh, or not my drill press, I'm sorry. One of my bandsaws. Um, you know, but the stuff works. It's bearings and belts. It isn't anything exotic. They have to fix it up sometimes. Uh, there's a lot of good people out there that'll help you make stuff. Do you have better. any resources for, because um, I know... I know even you know Frank Hallworth a little bit on from one of the forums. Yep, what yeah, you, from the old Woodworking Machines Forum. Old Woodworking Machines Forum. Is that a what's the website? You know? Uh, org. Okay, owwm.org. That's, that's the forum itself. Yep. And yeah, they have rules about what you can post and how you can post it. And some people say they're curmudgeons, but I'll tell you, it's a wealth of information and nice people. Yeah. Um. I know the guy that started it and he's as honest as the day is long and he's just a good guy and he's not out to pick on anybody or anything, but yeah, they have rules and they expect you to abide by them. You know, you don't go on there and ask what something is worth because there's too many variables. Yeah. But if you have an old bandsaw and you're needing a part, somebody out there probably has it and they'll either give it to you or sell it to you at a low cost. And any, any whether it's Facebook groups or forums or yep. any avenue like that, yep. try and be as specific as you can. Because lately I've been seeing a whole lot of this, uh, oh, I'm making a woodworking project. What do I finish it with? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. That's, be like, oh yep. my gosh, you're going to get a million different answers and be specific. Is it indoor, outdoor? What wood are you using? Are you, are you, you want to be able to clean it up with water? Do you, yep. you mind using mineral spirits? You know, is it going to be in direct sunlight? Is it, uh, you know, a surface that you're going to need, you know, for like a kitchen table, you need a lot more wear and tear yep. than say, you know, a, a little piece that you hang on the wall. Well, and it's, you know, I'll tell you one of the things that kind of bugs me is people will ask for information and you'll spend a lot of time telling them exactly what to do. You never hear back. You never get a thank you. you I mean, it's not that I'm looking for a pat on the back, but, you know, it's be nice to people. Yeah. And, and well, and it goes a long way too, because if you, if you sit there and you invest the time, you you just want to know how right. it, you know right like oh I appreciate that I tried this technique or I, I ended up going this route or whatever you know whether they did or didn't heed your advice 
yeah it's just kind of neat to see it kind of come together and say by the way i appreciate it you know you taught me this or whatever of course i didn't turn my my bell notification thing or whatever on for my my computer going ding in the background but um no that's what was the website for that one again uh, the OWWM.org. Okay. That's, that's the old woodworking machines forum. There's another one that's, uh, vintage machinery.org has all the manuals and just an absolutely ton of, uh, information on old tool companies, Delta, uh, Crescent, uh, Fay and Egan. Uh, I mean, anything and everything that goes back 150 years, you can almost find on there. It's amazing. Yeah. And like you said, it's a lot of it for upgrading or updating these tools or just getting them into working condition is really almost kind of preventative maintenance type things, some bearings, belts, because yep. all the castings are robust. Right. All right. the castings are good. Uh, you know, there are there are certain things like tires on bandsaws yeah, uh, that you can go into things where people use, uh, I think it's neoprene or rubber. Yeah. I'm a rubber guy because they just work for me. Yeah. Um, but you'll find a ton of information on both those, and it would pay to sign up. And uh, again, be polite, ask questions. You know, don't be stupid. Um, <laughs> that, that's good advice in any aspect. It is. Of life. It is because I'll tell you, I see a lot of it, and I'm not saying it's young, old, or whatever. But people are just rude. Yeah. You know, and it's like you really don't make friends that way. <laughs> and and try to be magnanimous. Folks. Yeah, you know, and just. <laughs> I'm glad to share information and talk to people, answer questions, but uh, yeah, because be, be pleasant. And and Bob is definitely um, an old, a vintage tool guy. Because I, I think yeah. there was more than a few people surprised when you bought that Laguna bandsaw. Yeah, it's like that must be probably the only new tool in your shop. Well, other than my my edge sander I got last year, the Vega one. That's yeah, those are the two newest things I've got. Because yeah. you just you just bought a different table saw and that's right, but that's from 1990. So, but it's that's a newish. It's newish for me. It's within yeah. 50 years. So yeah, it's pretty new. But um, and it's a slider. You know, it's a European, a little European slider saw that I wanted for years. And there you go. I think it'll work out well for what I want. So maybe maybe we'll have to do some sort of bit of a video on that somehow, some way. Well, I'd like to have an open house someday, too. You and I have an open house at yeah. the shop. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that, that would be. I, we, we had toyed around with that idea. We, yep. should, we should definitely do that. We should do, do that. that, like, either spring or fall or whatever. When there's not snow on the ground. Yeah, yeah. when we don't have 12 inches of snow sitting there. Yeah, we had a, a mini blizzard last night, or night before. Night, night before. before, yep. The, the days are just blending together. I'm getting old. They're just all <laughs> blending together. I'm, st I'm one of those people to where if, if you talk about the early 90s, I think that that's 10 years ago. Or the 70s is 30 years ago. Yep, yep. And I'm like, uh, no. no you're missing 20 in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I keep thinking it's 1974, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. What else did I have on my list? Uh, oh, another thing. Uh, I was talking with uh, Dave Miller, uh, KSFWG. Uh, this was a little while back, but and he was, he was talking about uh, possibly ordering some figured wood from you. Okay. And but speaking of like a meetup, uh, my suggestion, and because Bob sells pallets of this highly figured wood, it's just gorgeous stuff. But I had kind of the idea that if if anyone has 
a um, woodworking guild, a club, mm-hmm. a gathering, whatever. They could go in on it, and that would make it, I mean, and super it, affordable. Shipping by a pallet is always cheaper than shipping little bundles by FedEx. Yeah. Um, you know, you're paying, on, and I, you know, everything is different, but if you ship a pallet of 400 feet, you're spending probably $400 if you ship it to a terminal. Um, if you turn around and ship 400 feet by FedEx, you'd be paying probably a hundred times that much. Literally. Yeah. Uh, it just, it what do you, costs. what do you think shipping of a pallet, pallet wood, what do you think per board foot? What do you think that adds to it? On a pallet, I would say it runs between a buck to two bucks a board foot. And what do you sell, say curly maple for? Four fifty a foot. So for six, six and a half, a board foot yeah. landed. Yep. I think yep. I think that's pretty reasonable. I think it is, but you know everybody's different. But yeah, if you can get together with people and order enough on a skid, and and we can work it out. And there's a hundred different ways you can ship. Um, there's a flat rate pallet through FedEx, believe it or not. Um, but it, you have to pick the stuff up at a terminal. That's yeah. that's kind of the one of the big things. If you have it shipped to your house, you're going to pay a lot more. Yeah. It's just hard. But I mean, even if it's shipped to a terminal, if somebody's got a pickup truck, yeah, pickup they, can, truck. they can load it and yep. with a you forklift. You can haul it. Boom. You bet. You bet. It and and, and if you're nice to them, they won't even damage your truck. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because Bob and I just banded up with some absolutely large, gorgeous, yep. curly cherry. And where did that get shipped out of Pen- that, to Pennsylvania? Or no? No, it, it got shipped to Maine. Maine. Yep. It and, came from Pennsylvania to me, and then it got shipped to me. Yeah. It, it, it happens that way where the, the wood travels around until yep. buyers buy it. But what, what do you think the biggest board was on that one? It was just under 18 inches wide. 18 inches and wide. 12 feet, 7 inches long. So almost 13 foot yep. long, and that was 12 quarter? No. No, it was 8 quarter. 8 quarter. All 8 quarter. There was 222 feet. That went out. It is. It wasn't that big of a bundle, but it was really long. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I didn't do the shipping on that one. The customer arranged all the shipping, but um, I did ship a load like that to California. Is actually more than that to California for under five hundred dollars. And I'll put for a picture on the on the web article and then in the YouTube video, but um, of that sitting on the flatbed because Bob and I just brought that to the terminal. Last about week. A week, yeah, last week. Yeah, last week. That was some gorgeous stuff. It was very pretty stuff. I'd, I would like to see those trees standing, because that, that there was really no heartwood or, or any any sapwood to that. No, no. Where I buy this from is a mill that saws only veneer logs. Okay. Because he saws, well, he slices veneer also, and uh, I'm lucky because I buy all this curly cherry. And I'm waiting for him to find me some curly walnut because that's the other thing he saw is his walnut. And uh, Pennsylvania has some absolutely beautiful timber, and this guy knows his business very well. And uh, I would love to get some walnut that matches that curly cherry. That would be awesome. But he, I just talked with him not too long ago, and he was talking about a, a log sale that he bought that each tree averages 800 feet in a tree. Wow. So that's like three 16-foot logs of clear cherry. That's each log would be 30 inches across. Yeah, you know, it's just it's unbelievable the size of some of these trees. I'll have to post a picture of that. I think I got a picture of that 
that would on my phone. Maybe I'll post that on Instagram or whatever. But another thing I just thought would be interesting, and we're, we're getting a little short on time here, but um, you you have a veneer log auction coming up, don't you? Yeah, that should be, um, I think, towards the end of this month. I'm not sure of the date yet. Last year it was yesterday, but this year it's delayed because of the weather. Um, yeah, that's something to see. It's The auction lasts a whole week. Oh, wow. It, it's not just a one-day thing, and there's usually four or five going on at different yards around Upper Michigan. Okay. Um, but you go there, these logs are all laid out. This one had like 250 last year, and then they slice a cookie off the end. They break the cookie apart so you can see the figure that's in the log. And one of the things I'll say that I never realized is figure does not go all the way around the log. No. It's only in spots and only maybe quarter of the log or half the log or two feet of the log. You just don't know. But when you see these logs and you hear about the prices of, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 dollars for some of these logs, well, you better know what you're doing because you're, yeah. you're hanging out there to, if it's not good. It's some expensive firewood. It's an expensive firewood. And these wow. logs are not big. Uh, you would think, you know, you're talking big four foot logs. These are all under usually two feet across. They're 16, 18, 20, 24 inches across. They aren't real big. By about how long? Anywhere. These last year were all around 9 to 12 feet, okay. which is short for a veneer log. I, I know when the loggers cut veneer logs, they always have to cut them at 16 feet. But then the first thing they do when they take them into the veneer mill is saw two feet off each end. And that's just a checking prevention? Yep. Yep. Hmm. Then they're steamed and cooked and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing going to the sale and walking around and meeting the guys, the buyers, uh, the veneer buyers. It's a fun time. And what are typically, the, maybe we'll talk about this in the next podcast because okay. this could be kind of a whole thing. I'll have some pictures and stuff, yeah. Because just... not everyone has heard of a veneer log auction. Right. You know, It's something it's, totally different. Yeah. We'll reserve that for the next next week's podcast. Okay. Or we'll try and do one in a week. Okay. We're kind of sporadic here. Yes. <laughs> we have no set schedule. <laughs> Our paychecks don't matter. So. <laughs> Man, winning the lotto a few years ago really helped me out. <laughs> yeah. I still have some left. <laughs> Anything you want to add before we wrap up? <sighs> no. I really enjoy doing these. I enjoy working with you. Um, I don't think people realize what it all takes to set one of these up and Nick does a really good job and uh, I can't thank him enough. Well, yeah, I, I try. You do. <laughs> you do. And for those watching on YouTube where I ordered some different chairs and a round table. I don't know if I mentioned that at the top of the yeah, podcast or not, yep. but those will be here like tomorrow when we're recording this. So hopefully the next podcast will, will like be officially sitting at like a, a table. You know, if you were really talented, you could put the table up tomorrow and superimpose us around it. <laughs> Not that talented. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> I'll leave that CGI animation stuff to the pros. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, everyone again on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the woodworking podcast for supporting the podcast. And uh, if anyone cares to go leave a review over at iTunes, that definitely helps. And uh, that's about all I have. You can find more information at thewoodworkingpodcast.com. And as for Bob and myself, we will bid you adieu until next time. See ya. Thanks.